Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The Flyers brass make their first move, naming Lappy as the head coach of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and another big-name blue liner gets connected to the Flyers, giving them even more options. Let's discuss it all right now. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It's the Carter Hart episode of Orange and Backcheck, episode 79. A guy who is probably melting as we enter day three of the heat wave. Scott Weinhardt across from me as always. How are you, Scotty? I'm good. Episode 79, which means we're going to start really good and then turn to crap by the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like by, <laughs> by yeah, by the minute 27 is when everything it's goes gonna, to It's just going to fall apart. That's exactly what's going to happen. Now, I, you know what? It has been hot. But it's actually not too bad. And believe it or not, I, I got a ridiculous sunburn over the weekend. I spent my first weekend near a pool. Wear that sunscreen. Was, you know what? I got yelled at for it. My wife was like, I shouldn't be complaining. Yep. You didn't put it on. Listen, like, and she's right. So, I mean, she I, is I, right I because boys, I have right. this exact conversation with my own wife. We're yeah. always arguing because I wear sunscreen. I'm a golfer, as, we, as I said before. Always put on the sunscreen around the arms, legs, all that good stuff. My wife doesn't give a crap like it, it and it's like it's the age old excuse well it'll turn into a tan i'm like okay but a, a melanoma doesn't care or whatever the skin to cancer is like like whatever that, it's been almost 10 years together with her three years married like at this point nothing's gonna change i guess you know that's what happens as much as things stay, it changes as much as they stay the same and she cracked it cracks me up because she was right she goes you know you do realize it's called suntan lotion because it blocks out the bad rays and gives you the good ones to tan i was like oh i said well and she's like you kind of put it on i'm like well we don't have any of the spray stuff i'm too lazy to rub it all over oh my, my god <laughs> i hate the i hate applying it because you apply it too much in some area and the other, i like the spray the spray is pretty easy but you don't have that then you turn like me and then you have a lobster on your shoulders for now a week now and that'll be fun when it starts to peel next week for those yeah. who get sick over that just picture that big old burly guy like me starting to peel off his back just just that's such an attractive picture for people i'm surprised that, that's shot us not off. something we need to ever see ever my goodness oh <laughs> moving on like Ian LePerrier. I told you. Hey, look, we Carter hearted it. We started off good and then we <laughs> fell apart. Literally. Like, we, lasted... we peeled right out of it. We went two minutes and 20 seconds hey you know what no That's... record <laughs> so i mean ian Perrier, this was pretty much well known that this was probably going to happen i mean he was the favorite just to he has the respect of the team be, being the assistant coach during the dave haxtall years and now obviously the uh, av years 
So it's kind of like, well, this is just a perfect fit. See what he gets. The concern, like the age old concern is now, now he's a fan favorite. He's heading up an organizational team in the Phantoms. That's obviously not as big as Gravitas in terms of the Flyers head coach, but it's still something. And if it fails, then then you have to ask, like, what does it mean for LaPerriere's career or uh, uh, lineage here? And at, at the same, most of the time, I, I for something like the Phantoms, it doesn't probably mean much, but who knows? Then all of a sudden we're looking at, at a world outside of LaPierre. La, La and I, I think that 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 that's not a pretty... That, that's not the greatest thing for this team right now. Le Perrier would have been a nice asset to have still behind the bench with AV. I don't think when you have Michelle Terrien and Mike, yo, you need a guy like Lappy behind your bench a whole lot. I, nothing, no, no disrespect to Lappy. This is a good move for him. It's not a lateral move. It's an upwards move for him because now he gets to run his own bench. He gets to run the team the way he wants to. And down the line, I kind of give the Flyers credit for doing this because they put a plan B in place because if it never does work out with Vigneault, you do have someone who's going to be get experience down there. It's kind of mm-hmm. on the same lines the Flyers do with Berube when when John Stevens moved up and coached the Flyers. Then Greg yeah. Berube stepped up and, and had his place and with the fans. We saw that a little bit with yeah. Scott Gordon. Was Scott? Yeah, Gordon yeah, yeah. Correct. For a little bit, and there was there was inklings that he could have just stayed there and seen what happened. But I think the right move was to get it outside of the organization. And that's not why you have AV now. Because if you had stu- stuck with Scott Gordon, I don't think you make the playoffs in that first year under AV, despite the same roster, same everything. Yeah. I think the I, th- I think what Scott Gordon was good at was developing the young guys. We saw that. And to what a uh, to what excuse me, Chuck Fletcher said is you saw a lot of these guys plateau or regress in some areas. And whether that's fair or not to Scott Gordon, he's kind of the guy that you look towards in, in the scenarios like this for the most part, um, given the circumstances of the season, how the taxi squad worked, the AHL worked this year. It, it was kind of the the easy choice. Whether it was the right choice will remain to be seen for sure, but it was the it was the obvious choice that you look at Scott Gordon and you just say, you know what, why don't we just sit down here and figure out where we want to move on? And they mutually parted ways, and now we have Lapierre. Is eyeing, eyeing this whole thing up. 100% agree with you. I, it's not a bad move because Lappy started his coaching career off in player development. That's where he started as, working with the guys with the trial in the aisle when they were doing that a couple of years back. Uh, that's where he really started. He started talking about the finer points of the game and talking about the young kids, about what they need mentally to get over that loop. You know, Lappy will tell you that he's the type of guy where he had to really start separating himself by working a lot harder once he got to, like, the junior level because he didn't have the skill set of some other guys. He had to outwork people to get where he was and have a career like he did. So taking that same mindset and giving that to a bunch of younger players and forcing them to push themselves is going to be really good. And not to say it wasn't happening with Scott Gordon, but they probably need a different change of pace down there in the minor league. And it's actually going to be, I think it's going to be a good fit because again, you get a guy who's going to be running the bench the way he wants to. He'll be in a lot of, um, uh, a lot of conversation with the assistant GM. So the flyers brass will see what's going on with it and make adjustments as necessary. So I think it's important that you give a guy an opportunity who's paid his dues as an assistant be able to run his bench and run a team the way he sees fit. So, hey, look, I'll, I'll, it, it's a good move. It, sometimes you need to make the move where it's not as far as, you know, like, for instance, Doug Peterson. You know, like, everybody loved Doug for bringing a Super Bowl to the city. But at the same time, Scott Gordon's kind of in the same boat. Scott Gordon did a lot of work and did a lot of great things for the team. But at some point, you just got to say, you know what, we just got to go in a different direction. And sometimes that's what happens, and you need that. And it, that's perfectly healthy. You need some turnover in an organization at that level uh, if you have – 
one coach there for too long and gets stagnant. It gets boring. And you see the shelf life on these hockey coaches. They don't last long anyway. So the fact that Lappy is going to be able to get opportunity to do that, you know, tells me that he might be the guy in the wings down the line where if another team doesn't poach him, the Flyers are building up in case down the line it doesn't work out with Vigneault, which I hope it does for a long time. But if yeah. it doesn't, then you have an option there already. Yeah, and I think that the biggest thing is what you were talking about in terms of getting these guys player development under Lappy. And I, I think that's what is good for him. It's, it's nice to see that, like you said, again, he has control of everything now that he's heading up the, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. I'm curious because now that we've seen Cam York, the 2019 first round pick, now next man up logically is obviously Tyson Forrester, the 2020 first round pick. And when we talked to Sam Karshidi back in uh, the summer of uh, 2020, I think it was the summer. I don't remember. Yeah, Dates don't matter anymore. Yeah. Uh, is it still 2020? <laughs> I forget. Yeah. I feel like 2020 was such a blur. Sometimes I still tell people it's 2020. Really, it's 2021. But if you go back and listen to it. Right. But if you go back and listen to our conversation with Sam Karshidi, the, what the biggest thing with Tyson Forrester was his skating. He, he, it wasn't like he was slot slogging around like, um, um, why am I blanking on the guy up in, uh, up in New York that uh, uh, laughing Yeah. That, yeah. that you were My saying it was a slot. I'm curious if, if Ian will get Tyson up to that point where he is because I think he's already making some headwaves and making the AHL roster uh, after an impressive juniors again. And you saw him a little bit in this in in late in the season. So I think the next man up mentality for Tyson Forrester. Now, the problem is that if if you get him developed well enough and it's showing well, if the Flyers have another down year, then he's probably going to get called up to see what he can do. And again, we're talking about another down year for the Philadelphia Flyers. And then you have even more conversations about the future of AV, probably Carter Hart and stuff like that. So I'm curious, what are the odds in your opinion that we see Forrester in meaningful Flyers hockey potentially? None. Yeah. No, not this season. I just don't think that they're, I have to give the Flyers credit because they, they've been more patient in recent years to bring up younger players. They've been more reluctant to do so until they know they're absolutely ready. Part of that is the Hextall effect, like with Carter Hart. Um, now people are saying, Oh, Carter Hextall was right. They brought him up too soon into this year. Like, okay, well, you didn't see what he did the last two seasons before that. So that argument isn't valid. I look at it as until a guy shows he has enough promise and flash to really take an everyday roster, the key is minutes. When you're a young player, it's minutes. It's not about how much skill you have. It, 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 this is just my opinion, granted. And I believe that some of the hockey teams around the league will think the same way. It's not about how skilled you are. It's when you're ready as far as when you've developed to a point where they're okay bringing you up and because you're going to get less minutes. Now, you might log 18, 20 minutes a night in the AHL, it's not beneficial to a young player to come up and play half that and play nine, 10 minutes a game. It's not, you're missing out on a lot of shifts. You're, you're not getting that experience that, that play there. Mistakes are magnified because you're not counterbalancing it. Some guys are minute eaters where they get good stats because they pick up a lot of minutes. I don't know with Forrester. I don't know if it, because of his skating, which they'll work on at the team, they'll work on in the off season, he'll work on on his own. I don't know if his skating will hinder him in that aspect, but it'll be glaring if you want to give him eight, nine minutes a game. He's not producing like he did at juniors because of that, you know, still need to develop that skating sense. The key comes to me when you're looking at younger players, Cam York, 
It's not a guy you want to rush because this is a critical offseason, as we talked about plenty of times for the Flyers' defense with a new name that's become available. So the Flyers have some options internally, but also they need to look externally. So Cam York is not a guy I'm going to want to rush. He's probably pro-ready, but again, I'm not going to bring him up here to play You know, the, on the bottom pairing. You're not going to do that. So it really comes down to if they're developed ready enough to take on where they're at, at the top of their game at the – AHL level and they're not in they, the minutes change isn't going to affect them so they, a lot of teams look at that internally and they know when a player is ready to do it so every player is different when it comes to that like uh, the closest one I could probably give example for people would be Claude Giroux Claude Giroux had a lot of skill coming out of junior Claude Giroux also came up for a cup of coffee in 07 I think 07 08 he came up for a cup of coffee yep. and they sent him back down and then he came up full-time in 08 09 and really didn't come around till about I would say about really about a quarter would be halfway through the season so you know it it, it comes out to a point where a player's reach his level where they know he can produce at the HR level and just needs to translate to the next level and it took drew about a year year and a half and really he started to blossom during that 2010 playoff run and that's why it's the level is at today so teams are going to be a little bit patient they're not going to rush a guy because they need them and especially because the flyers do have a decent amount of depth even though they have not they didn't perform well this year they're going to give that youth one more chance before they start rushing these guys to the system and forcing them let them let them round out their game down at the lower levels let them let them figure it out down there let lappy get his coaching style in let them push him the way he wants to push him and then that'll have more of an effect when they're ready to come up to the next level yeah and and like you said more blue liners especially the top tier i would say uh describe them as of of other teams have become available. Seth Jones is the big name that is that's, that has cropped up and has become directly connected to the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Flyers by Elliot Freeman. Uh, and it's like, what? And now you kind of have two main options for the Flyers, and you and I were just going back and forth on what they can do to because we both agree that the, the, one of the top priorities was developing getting a new blue liner in here to fill the Niskanen role that was self-admitted by Chuck Fletcher we have we never filled the void of Matt Niskanen now you have that opportunity significantly in the options of Dougie Hamilton and Seth Seth Jones so let's talk about Seth Jones for a moment here like he has one year left on his contract in Columbus he already said that he's not planning on extending in that in that time so your kind Columbus is for, he's basically trying to force Columbus's hand because he has a, a, a minor, no, tra, a, a limited, excuse me, no trade clause. He's willing to waive that. It sounds like he wants to go to a contender. He has a bit of connection, as Elliot Friedman said, to um, Washington or not Washington, uh, the Colorado Avalanche. And I'm blanking on the second name, but he all he didn't see a big fit for them in terms of making the move. Elliot was pretty adamant about saying that the Flyers can make this happen. They have the 13th overall pick now uh, after the entry draft lottery, whatever you want to call it, uh, over the weekend. And it's funny to me that the Flyers are trying to sell us on the idea that they're going to make a pick at 13. I think it's a, a, a given they're not going to have that pick. They're, I think they're going to try and make a move here. Whether it's with Seth Jones it obviously remains to be seen, but he just is the logical choice right now. So my question is, not with either or, but would you, if you had the opportunity, give up the 13th and Nolan Patrick and another player for Seth Jones to Columbus right now if the opportunity was there? Depends on the other player. And it comes mm -hmm. down to if he's going to sign and trade. You're not, guy, you're, not, you're not trading that without signing another deal. You're pulling a Mark Stone where you're making the trade and signing the deal the same day. That's yes. exactly what you're doing. You're not, 
you're not trading for a guy like Seth Jones on a one-year deal and not making sure he's in sign with giving up that much assets. Um, look, I like Seth Jones. I think Seth Jones could be a great player if he were traded to the Flyers. There's a lot of problems I see with Seth Jones here being on this roster, though. Um, and not from anything on the ice, believe it or not. I think a lot of the things that are going to be problematic with Seth Jones, if you acquire him, it's all that we're going to have to do off the ice. For instance, you're going to have to clear that cap room. And also, there that's what's one part, which it can be done. Two, you're going to give up a good amount of assets for that. It doesn't matter if he's going on one-year deal. See, you're talking about a premier player in the NHL. Regardless of what his – and his analytics aren't terrible, according to what the people say. I don't care. I don't like analytics. Apparently, from what people say, they're not terrible. Some people say he's terrible analytically. He had a down year. A lot of players have down years this year. He, overall, could be a huge improvement to this team. The key is, though – Seth Jones is not just a guy that you bring on to replace Matt Niskanen. He's a guy you bring on to basically replace Ivan Provorov. I mean, he would be your top guy. He would be paid like your top guy. Right. You just invested a lot of money in in Ivan Provorov, and you would have to pay him more to be basically a guy to play along Ivan Provorov. So the question is, is that do you value him more than Ivan Provorov? Because that, if you ask me, is going to be the kicker here. So you think that it would, would cost Ivan Provorov? I don't think you're going to. See, if that, you know, if you that's, know, and you're no, going to sorry. ask me that, but I know I, I you're going to ask me that. You're not going to. You're not going to rob Peter to pay Paul. So really, if you do that, it's both a wash. You're, you're, yeah, you're exactly. That's that. where you're, I fell. You're not. You're subtracting to add. So I mean, like that's yeah. you know, you're adding to subtract. You're not. You're in the same exact problems you were last year. Seth Jones is not the type of player where he is going to be. A uh, guy who can just kind of command the game. Zach Rowenski, his partner, was like that, where he jump into the play all more often than Seth Jones. Now, Seth Jones has that ability, but he doesn't do it as often. Now, that's maybe because of the way they coached him up. It's maybe the way that the Flyers employ, could employ him. They maybe could force him to attack more, a little more like Niskanen did. He's, he's definitely an upgrade. The problem I see with it, though, is that, A, I don't think people, when they would see Seth Jones in a flyer uniform, would expect him to be like a Chris Pronger type. No, he's more, I would say, along a tier, if you can remember back to like Kimo Timonen or maybe like a Matt Carl type player. Um, He can contribute offensively. He's responsible defensively, but he has some issues, especially when he pivots backwards when he leaves usually larger gaps. He's very good on the even strength. He's good on five on five. I read a stat. I think he's plus two over the course of his career, which like that that doesn't sound like a lot, but for a defenseman that logs as many minutes as he does. And that's the other thing. He eats eats a ton of minutes. He just had in, I believe in that five overtime, four overtime game, he had 64 minutes. He played an entire game on the ice. That's absurd in today's NHL. So good on Seth Jones for doing that. But that's the thing. When you get a plus two and you're on your ice that much, you kind of understand. That's why I don't weigh that much option or give that much credence to the minus 18 on the year, as you were alluding to for this year. No, Like that's kind of just like, okay, minus 18. It's not good, but you look at Columbus and you understand like Columbus under towards a mess this year. Yeah. Come on, they had the issue with Pierre to Luke Dubois and they went up and got Patrick line and line. didn't do anything. And they're, they've drafted really well over the past decade. They were like one of the tops of percentages of hitting on their draft picks. So they, they have, they're good overall, but I think that they're going to kind of like a retool phase a little bit. They're going to have to step back, but they step back. They feel like the flyers. That's why it kind of makes sense that this could be a good partnership. The flyers in Columbus has the flyers in Columbus have a history of being like, they obviously made the the Voracek trade back in the day. Like that's one of these things that could potentially be there because of where both of these teams are. 
Um, the, but it goes back to, do you give up the assets for the Seth Jones or do you just take your chances and say, let's just sign Dougie Hamilton out of, out of Carolina, which again has its ups and downs. Correct. Carolina is still playing, right? No. Yeah, they are playing. They are still playing. I, I'm, I'm, I've lost all sense of time, like I've said. But Carolina is still gonna playing. They're going to be going to bed while it's daytime out. I right, understand. exactly. So, but, but Carolina is still playing. Dougie Hamilton, there's no indication that he doesn't like his time in Carolina. So, obviously, the 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 team that has the rights, or not the rights, but is 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 the 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 current team obviously has the upper hand in these kind of situations. There's nothing to guarantee you. Just like there's no guarantee that Seth Jones is going to resign with you after making a trade. Dougie Hamilton might not be there, and it's going to cost you a good amount of money on the salary cap on the books without unloading money. That's why Seth Jones might be a little bit more appealing to Chuck Fletcher. He can control a little bit more for at least this year. Yeah, his cap hits about five and a half. Yeah, but he's going to want a huge raise. He's going to want a huge raise. I agree, and that's key. So Ryan, Ryan, I would look this up because I was curious. Obviously, Ryan Johansson is a different player in terms of position. He's a center in for at the time when they made the trade with Nashville, but he's making an eight million dollar cap hit for this year for 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 um. What whoever team he's playing for, I I honestly Wait, which, which player for Nashville, about? Ryan Johansson. That's uh, who yeah. the, I'm. I'm thinking of the 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 trade when yeah they passed each Jones. other in the airport. Right. So like the, Ryan Johansson is making eight million dollars. Obviously, it's a different position, but Seth Seth Jones is certainly going to be in that time for in that range per year, is my guess. Dougie Hamilton might be just as much like it's an I it's a flip of the coin at this point is how I look at it. That's that's really what it's coming down to with the risk of giving up assets for Seth Jones. It, it depends on how you want to view Ivan pro Here's the key. Dougie Hamilton's a better offensive threat than Seth Jones is. In, in my view, I, if you look at their stats, they're kind of, they're somewhat similar. Uh, Dougie Hamilton's got 341 points in 607 games. Seth Jones has got 286 points in 580 games. So he's really played like another full season, essentially. I look at this is this is actually a quarter of a season, excuse me. I, I look at a key. This is the key that I look at. Dungy Hamilton's going to give you much more benefit offensive side of the pot. He's a good, more balance of a two-way player. Not to say Seth Jones isn't. I think that it depends on how you want to utilize Ivan Provov, because you know Ivan Provov's got a lot of offensive skill also. Seth Jones is going to give you a little more responsible defensively than Dougie Hamilton is. The key is, though, is that, again, you talk about the assets. I don't think the Flyers want to be in a position where they want to give up the moon and the stars for a guy like Seth Jones just to resign to a contract that's more expensive than Ivan Provov, get bogged down that way and turn out that really maybe it's not the best of hockey fits. But then you can't do – if you give up those assets, you're not going to be able to go get something on the offensive side of the puck. And I and, think that's the key. And think of this. If you do, in fact, sign Seth Jones and he says, I want to wait. In, in that likely scenario, he says, I'll come here, but I want to wait to before I, I decide. I don't think you're making a trade. I don't think, I don't think one, anybody's going to make that trade. You're not making that trade. And two, in that scenario, you're looking at Sean Couturier, Claude Drew, and Seth Jones all under off your books. And you got to make a decision on at least two of those three, right? Like, Bingo. you got to make decisions. Yeah. That's the, that's the dilemma that you're facing. And look, I came into this podcast today that we agreed, like, I was all for coming into Seth, Seth Jones. The more you think about it, you realize like this is not an easy decision. It's not black and white as we I originally thought because 
Seth, Seth Jones is going to make a lot. He's going to want a lot of money. You have, as you said, Ivan Provorov. I think he's in his second year for 2021. Second year. 21, 2022 of his six year deal, which was about like 41, 42 million. I'll be going next season. I'll be going in his third year. It's the second year. Okay. So So he's, he's halfway through and it's like, I think it's evident that Ivan Provorov is right now a one B one C uh, of a of a of a blue line that could potentially become a one. Yeah, but, but he, Seth Jones is a one. That that's the thing. Like, but he's not though. He's not though. He had a good partner with him. Let's let's be real. Like, but Ivan like, Provorov and Seth Jones are a good partnership in my eyes. They could be. They're they both could left, be. It's a lefty and a righty hand shot that Seth Jones has a bomb of a shot. Like there's I, a, like he doesn't score a lot, but his his shot is very menacing. So Ivan Provorov is one of the best defensive when he has a good pairing. He's one of the best defensive defensemen in the league. Seth Jones is a good two way when he's on fire. He doesn't have the Dougie Hamilton firepower or the goal scoring conversion rate, but when he's in the open ice that you could potentially see with, uh, with a scenario like Ivan Provorov and you would imagine a lot of time with Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier, like that's very enticing for me to say Seth Jones is worth the risk and the, and the committing of probably a five, six year deal when all is all said and done. Yes, and see, here's the problem, because when you're talking Hamilton and no- Jones, it's not one or the other. You're really comparing apples and oranges. They're two different players. Like, they're really just two different looks, similar skill sets, but they're also very different at the same time. Mm-hmm. For, for me, it, 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 it comes down to this. You, you already have a glaring need of forward because you have the potential of losing Claude Giroux next season. So, like, let's be real. Like, there's no guarantee that Claude Giroux is coming back. And you don't Start know who you're losing. For now. Not even just that. You don't know who you're about to lose in the expansion draft in yeah. a month or two. And if you like, lose JVR, that's a huge hole that you got to fill because then basically it's like you lost your power forward who was your basically one year what tied for leading in your scoring this year. So yep. that's a massive, massive hole that you need to fill. So if I'm the Flyers, I'm looking at this and saying, okay, we have a chance to upgrade our defense and maybe put more of the scoring on the younger guys up front, but there's no guarantee of that. Yeah, they'll probably have a little bit more of leeway and probably get the better defensively and have less goals against. But if you're not putting the puck in the net, that's a problem. If you have the assets to go get Jack Eichel, and you can, I'm not trying to restart that argument, I'm making the point that if you keep those assets instead of trading for Seth Jones, and you can get a guy like Eichel, then yes, your other flip side of this as well. If you lose, wind up losing JVR, you just gained about $7 million in cap space. So then you could go out and maybe trade for a guy like Seth Jones, use those assets, and upgrade your offense again by getting a guy like Gabriel Landeskog if he wants it. So See, I, 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 think, I think anybody that's on the avalanche right now, you just ignore. Because they're just too effing good. Like, they're, they're on a tip. They're not really good right now. They were good. And then then all of a sudden Vegas just turned it on. Vegas turned it on. But at the time, like there, it seemed like the, the Columbus or excuse me, the avalanche were not going to lose a single game. They're rolling over people. I here's where, like, again, I'll I'll go back to this. This is a really, really hard argument to come up with because it depends on what action, because one cause has the other effect. If you mm-hmm. go and trade for Seth Jones, you lose the be able to lose the bandwidth and be able to lose the assets to go get a guy a top tier forward, which you also need. You need both. You really need both. You lose Giroux next season, which clears up cap space. Okay. You also have it where if you say, okay, you know what, we're gonna go trade for a guy up front and and take our chance in free agency, 
then you have a bigger thing because then you're really gambling on Jack Eichel to really make up for the difference offensively that you're not improving your defense one bit. So it really comes down to what they value. If you ask me, they're going to value defense, but what direction they're going to go in first. If they don't feel like that they have a shot at Dougie Hamilton, then they'll probably go for the Seth Jones route, but it's going to cost you. And that leaves you from not being able to upgrade further up front anymore and counting on your young guys. So really it's the direction with the team, which is going. So really, if you go with Hamilton, you have more of a chance to go get someone up front. If you go get Jones, you have more of a chance to be able to, uh, you have to figure out your other options of what you're going to do up front. Here's where I land. Cause if, if, if it, if, publicly is said and it you can take this either one one or two ways because a lot of stuff nowadays is just known public knowledge seth jones did not it did not need to be public knowledge that seth jones decided i'm not going to extend my time in columbus i want to test free agency that could have stayed under wraps throughout most of next season if they really wanted to try whether the agent of seth jones decided to leak it out to reporters or the Columbus Blue Jackets decided remains to be seen. It's probably the agent side. That's usually how these things usually come out. However, that could have done been kept under wraps. But the the what benefits people like Seth Jones and Jack Eichel, and in turn teams like the Philadelphia Flyers, is now the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Buffalo Sabers are under the will of the player. This is what happens a lot in the NBA. It's why all of a sudden when you make these trades. Take the one that just happened in, in Julio Jones in trading for uh, to the Tennessee Titans. That was a second round pick. That yeah. doesn't cost a lot for one of the best receivers in the in the, in the NFL. Correct. So Correct. like you, all of a sudden, what we're thinking could be the cost. It really might not be because Seth Jones has the power right now in my my eyes. He has the limited no wave clause. Uh, no trade clause, excuse me, where he can just say, I'm not going to X, I'm going here. And that's where, where that's exactly what it needs to be. I mean, when that's exactly where the Flyers have the advantage, like they can just say, we're, we're not going to give you two first round picks, Nolan Patrick and, and, a, and a King's ransom. We'll give you this year's 13th overall pick. Nolan Patrick and Morgan Frost, whatever it may be. I'm not saying it's going to be needs to be Morgan Frost. I think that would cost a lot, but in the grand scheme of things, that would be a trade I could be talked into. Only if he resigned. If he doesn't right. resign you that yes. one year deal, that is literally just throwing your money down the drain because there's no guarantee. This is no mostly guarantee. just because Jack Eichel just seems to have a, such a fractured relationship with Buffalo. Like the, the, any team that's looking to trade for Jack Eichel, which should be every team not named Buffalo, like that, that, like that's you have the upper hand now because you can get him at a not a flea market discount, but a decent discount for this player because the relationship is broken. He's not going to play. He does not want to play for Buffalo. Seth He's, Jones does not want to play for Columbus. Yeah. The players now have the power, and that's a good thing for teams like the Flyers. Jack Eichel is Taylor Hall part two. That's exactly what he is. And he's yeah. right now Taylor Hall part two. Seth Jones, he's a guy where he wants out and wants to move on. I don't blame him one bit. That is a changing situation there. I think John Tortorella got the most out of him. He probably wants to change the scenery. Don't blame him. He's ready to come up for a big contract. He's only 26 years old, so you're going to get him on some term, which will put him in his mid-30s, but defensemen usually less. So I think that's a positive thing where, again, there's a lot of different ways to really go with this. It yep. really depends on what they value internally, and we're not really going to know that till we till really the expansion draft because then if they lose a guy like JVR, they're going to have to value offense over Seth Jones, unfortunately. If they lose a different player, 
and the Vegas decides to buy a low, then the Flyers have more, some more options right there because then you can find ways to clear up cap space and see what happens. And, um, you know, with Giroux coming off the books next season, you might make that decision already this offseason. So it's very possible that they've already planned for that because you have to renew. You have to re-sign um, Kateri after this offseason too. So there's a lot of moving parts here. And I think that Chuck Fletcher's taking his time and knows he's got to upgrade, but he's got to upgrade in the right spots before anything else. Before we, before we bring up the playoffs and w- decide what we're going to do here, and you can have your fun, I'll give you the three minutes that you need to bag on Toronto for, the ne- for that time. <laughs> Whose decision was it? I don't remember who it was. I don't think it was Hex all who decided hey let's extend couturier so his contract expires at the same time as one of our star players in claude Giroux. i think it was just a time to do the deal i think the way his, the way his contract came up i can look at it because it just does quick. it doesn't make sense to me to say that yeah we need the we should we these two contracts should be expiring at the exact same offseason well I that's mean, mind-boggling to me don't forget that you got you got him on a value deal that was of course the time yeah, to do it. yeah yeah you had you had couturier at the end of his um at the end of a second Entry contract. Level. Yeah, he had yeah, a bridge contract yeah. for two years because he wasn't really producing where he really needed to be. He had him on a bridge deal, four and a half million. See what you can do for the next six years here. And then, you know, you'll be at unrestricted free agency by that time. So that's the thing with Couturier, though. He's going to have over a seven years log. So he's going to be a UFA. So you're going to have to make that extension this year. So um, I think it's one of the matter of time where you had the bridge contract. It became to give him on a longer term deal because now – you set yourself up for years. I mean, they signed this deal in 16, 17. They signed it five years ago. So, I mean, for instance, they didn't expect that in Giroux and all that to come up at the same time. Nobody really yep. expected time to have Borachek go on three more years after that. Yeah. So, um, I, I it, it was a Hextall decision, uh, but it was actually a really good decision because it's such a team vet-friendly deal that I would say that next season that Kateria is probably going to double that, but he's literally their best skilled player. So, yeah, there's can't, really no question to say why. No. You, you, can't, you can't not say – you have to keep your top center. So, yep. I mean, you know, Hayes, they're banking on him next year to rebound after core muscle surgery. We're hoping that he can. Uh, but I think that he is, his, his no trader, his limited movement clause uh, expires after this year. So you can move Kevin Hayes if you need to next year to close, move some things up. Hopefully you don't need to do that because you, then you still have your two solid centers. Um, but who knows? I, I just think that that was a Hextall move and that was a great team friendly deal at the time. But I don't think it was planned like, hey, let's sign them both at the same time. It's that, Hey, I don't think that a guy who was getting close to 27, 28 years old, 29 years old, uh, I'm sorry, I hope he actually will be 30 at the end of next season. Uh, you'd wanted to lock him up to a longer term that because that's you can really cash in on the UFA next season if he's available. Yep. Well, we're about a half hour in. I can't believe this is the first time I brought it up. <laughs> Toronto. How are you feeling, Scott? Toronto Dude, blows it again. They continue their drought of, what's it now, 27, 28 years since winning a playoff series? They have not won a playoff series since 2004. So, My, And the last wow. time okay. they were in the second round was against the Philadelphia Flyers, and Jeremy Roenick went bar down over Eddie Belfour's glove, sending the Flyers to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, beautiful, beautiful time. That was fantastic thing back then. that was a great series um here's here's our map of toronto um i don't understand what the maple leaf executives are are, are doing i don't yeah. understand what they see in brendan shanahan and kyle dubas and everybody's yep. saying oh well you clearly can't blame kyle dubas you don't know what he he did everything that he could yeah but the guys you counted on uh they paid you pay 40 million dollars to four guys up front you pay 40 million dollars to four players okay that's awful 
that you have no flexibility on your back end. You sign a bunch of aging guys, or like we talked about last day. Toronto had an opportunity. Simmons started to do, show his value, but only Wayne Simmons can do so much. It comes down to this: is that Toronto blew it once again. They're going to be in financial hell unless they find out the way to blow up their core a little bit, which is either trading Mitch Marner or William Nylander, because they're not going to get rid of Austin Matthews. And believe me, I would give up everything to get Mitch Marner because despite not having playoff success, he is a younger, faster version of Jake Voracek. Most people probably just shut me off after saying that. Younger, (laughs) faster version of Jake Voracek that can play at all three segments of the game. So while the Leafs stars are they're built for the regular season. They're not built for the playoffs. They're just not built for it. Like they don't, it's not something mental. It's just teams hone in on it. When you're in the playoffs, teams have ample time to be able to adjust and make adjustments to it. So when Tam went, when, when they rolled over in game three, when they, I believe game three or game four, they just rolled over Montreal and Montreal's facing elimination. You can make a lot of changes to really make sure you're shutting the two guys down and put it on the older guys on your bottom six to really do more to really keep them in it. And they couldn't do it. Guys like Nick Foligno couldn't do it. Jason Spezza was the only bright spot on there. Joe Thornton didn't do anything. Wayne Simmons didn't do anything. A lot of these guys, they counted on the Jake Muzzin, one of their top defensemen got hurt. You, you, you could sit here and say, oh, yeah, well, all those factors and it was COVID, then you have to give them another chance. But you're kidding me when you're thinking that a guy like Kyle Dubas, who has pretty much build a team around four players and give himself no opportunity. And Brendan Shanahan's a fault for this also is that the reason I can't stand Toronto and the reason I get on them so much is because that city deserves better. You would never think that my, my hatred for Toronto isn't because of the team itself. It's because of the way they're managed. And yeah. that's, that's the key is that they're, I don't despise the Leafs because they wear blue. It gets me going because the, the, the people that are running that franchise are ruining it. Because you overcommitted to four young players who once come playoff times don't show up. They, sh- they they shut down in game seven when their top guys need to come through and they can score it well in the regular season, show up when it can't matters most. They can't do that. They made bad on their bets, and I think they need to pay the price for it. And there's another manager that needs to come in there and tear that thing up and get that thing, get, get that team moving back to where it needs to be. And that's near the top of the hockey echelon. Because right now, you could do all you want in the regular season. They had 18 points over Montreal. They were up 3-1 against Montreal. And now Montreal has won six straight. <laughs> They're up 3-0 on the Jets. They're up six straight. So, hey, listen, Montreal has an opportunity to win this thing and run off of that. I'd be very happy. Carey Price get a, get a cup and Shea Weber get a cup. And, you know, Ben Sherratt's turned out to be a really good defensive. Jeff Petrie, they're, 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 they, they play like a solid team all right. Toronto does not do that. Toronto shuffles too many pieces in and out to try to find the right formula because they gambled and lost on their starting top line. And you know what? I, I've been saying it for years now. The reason I get on Toronto is because of their management. They need to move on from Kyle Dubas. They need to move on from uh, from Brendan Shanahan. And need to start anew. Lou Lamorello put the pieces in place. They dropped the ball. They need to be held accountable. Get them out of there. Give that city what it deserves. And that is fresh, good management with a different mindset. That's what they need to do. And rant. Beautiful. You're right, though. I mean, it, it's a classic just like you're screwing – you're investing for today by completely ruining tomorrow. Yeah. And then when you even when you're investing for today, as you said, it's not enough for today. 
you're banking on just the first 82 games or 72 games or 56 games, sorry, for this season. And that's it. That Then all of a sudden you felt fall flat on your face. And, and, and yes, Montreal is the hottest team in the NHL right now. Six straight, as you said. And they're probably going to be they're probably going to sweep the Winnipeg Jets at least or at least at the at the worst win in five maybe six, like they're winning that series. There's no indication that Montreal is going to do what the Winnipeg or excuse me, what Toronto just did in blowing a three, one series. Montreal is going to go to the cup. Like, I don't know how they're going to do. I don't know who they're going to play. I don't know what they're going to do, but I don't think it matters. They're too good right now. Carrie price is spinning on his head. And when, Mm -hmm. when Carrie price is spinning on his head, it's over. Like it it would be nice. Listen, they have what? 20, Something cups like they 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 haven't won it in X amount of years, thirty years, whatever. That's what they're the last Canadian team to win the cup, and right? Nineteen ninety three, so it's been twenty eight years. Yeah, so like when Montreal, like that's who I was thinking of. Not Toronto won in twenty two thousand four, like you said. Montreal hasn't won a cup since ninety three, so it's like, okay, let's see them do it. Like add on, add on to that legacy. They'll be insufferable. Their fans, their Le French, Le French fans, but like, come on, I like it's just. One, that was a terrible French impression. Go f yourself. That's how we're ending this. What are you, <laughs> yo? Listen, I, I Tampa got Bay's up three one against the Hurricanes. Are the Hurricanes coming back? No, no, they're, no, no they're, they're, that series is over. That series. The, is the over. most Look, fun series. The most fun series is Boston and Islanders. The Islanders are oh going on right God. now as we play, or as we record. Uh, I believe the Islanders are up right now. Yeah, they're up four two in the second period against the Bruins. Like that series is going is going to go six. Right at oh, that's going right seven. Now. There's and no way that series seven. does not go seven. And that yep. series has been a war. That's been a back and forth war series. That's yep. been some of the best hockey we've seen. The problem is that a series like that, while it tests you, I don't know if either team is deep enough. They could be. They're they're deep enough to really get past this round and really make a push to the final only because they're going to be so worn down after the series because they're going to beat yep. each other up so much. That's just because that's how much of a dogfight it is between these two teams. Tampa and, and Carolina – Carolina's got a great skill set. Look, Tampa's the defending champion, and they finished third in the division this year. Carolina finished first. I think that Tampa's just – they're on the road back to getting back to the final. Again, Montreal, no reason to think they, they would miss it. And then Vegas and, and Colorado, probably the second-best series right yeah. next to the Islanders and Bruins. Max Pacioretty with a hat trick last night. Fantastic how – for the first five periods of that series – Colorado just owned them. And the next thing you know, even though the Vegas tied up in the lost game two, Vegas has been in control every period since then. It just seems like a Colorado just all of a sudden fell off. But again, it goes back to this. Look who their coach is. Pete DeBoer. Pete DeBoer has always been the best at making those adjustments mid-game, mid-series, mid-period to get his team going in the right direction. I think you have a very good chance of seeing Vegas and Montreal bid it out and whoever wins that series that's gonna who's gonna win the cup with it so and i'll say this about one more thing about toronto before i'll get off my high horse about it they signed their death warrant when they gave into william nylander instead of trading him and they were too afraid about losing an asset when they could have gotten everything in the world for him and they didn't so you know what you can lie in that bed you can sleep in it that is your fault you own it you suck they, I, I can't stand it. I don't have anything more today. I hate Toronto because of the way they're managed. So that's that's my whole hatred towards it. But yeah, I tell you what, it comes out of this. I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb right now. Say it's gonna be Vegas and next round against Montreal. That series would go seven only because Montreal's playing so much well or better as a team overall 
that I think that even with their offense, there's been a little little cracks in the armor there with with Mark Andre Fleury. He's there gotten has. some posts that have. Yep. So yep. you know Colorado, they're 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 keeping their heads just at water. But Vegas, I'll tell you what, you get a team like where they're going to get a defensive struggle and they play that type of game. I don't know if Vegas can keep up with the defensive style game. Tampa and probably the honors. I say the honors are going to win that series. Tampa and the honors a rematch from last year. That would be really really fun to watch. But I think that again, it would just come down to this. While Barry Trotz is another great coach and making adjustments, it's going to come down to Tampa really just outskilling that type of team with the, with the Islanders. The Islanders are a work-hard team, but I don't think they're going to be able to keep up, up skill up front. So I think you might have a possibility of seeing a Montreal-Tampa final. I'd leave Reed down with Ooh. that. That would be and, fun. Uh, and and the, the Canadian government just announced that they're, they're allowing the NHL players to go back and forth over the U.S.-Canadian border. So well, we're not having claims. a bubble. We're yep. not having a bubble. We're Good. having a regular final. Uh, and Eastern Conference or Western Conference final or whatever they're calling it. I'm assuming Western and Eastern Conference, depending on how all things work out. Yeah. But this is going to be a lot of fun now that we have officially crossed uh, uh, crossing the borders the border. and all that stuff. It's going to be a lot of fun. We will be here every step of the way. Thank you so much for listening. This is Orange and Backcheck, the Carter Hart episode, episode 79. I think we finished strong, just like Carter Hart will next season, we hope. Orange and backcheck at gmail.com. If you have any questions, emails, concerns, uh, also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Orange and backcheck. You know where to find us. Great review us five stars, and we will talk to you next time. Oh, look, a goal just went six hole. <laughs>